Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's talk about this. A convicted murderer who killed his girlfriend was released on day parole and as part of the conditions permitted were that he would be allowed to meet women, quote, but only to meet your sexual needs, end quote, that from the Parole Board of Canada. Eustachio Galiz, now charged with second-degree murder in the death of Marilyn Levesque, who worked in the sex industry. Scott Newark joins me, former Alberta prosecutor, was also senior policy advisor to a former federal public safety minister and executive director of the Canadian Police Association. Scott is now a visiting professor at Simon Fraser University. You and I have talked about extremely concerning, deeply disturbing cases for so many years, Scott. This case almost takes on a completely new dimension for me. Well, I must admit, uh, frankly, I, I in some ways feel that it's a return to the old days because it's just a manifestation of, you know, the culture within Correctional Services of Canada the parole board simply acting like a rubber stamp. And as it turns out, after the uh, Quebec Attorney General, I believe, uh, uh, demanded uh, answers from the federal government about, you know, what actually happened here, why would this guy be released? Uh, you know, the response from the federal minister is that essentially the uh, Correctional Service of Canada and the parole board are going to investigate themselves. That's the way things were over the years. That You know, I think we've made some improvements about how things were uh, actually done, but when you come to cases like uh, like this, and you and I have talked about this over the last year or so, I've had a bad feeling that I think some of the worst tendencies uh, in the, uh, the corrections uh, and parole systems are creeping back in, and I think this case uh, is a demonstration of that. And there are so many questions that need to be uh, properly asked and properly answered, because uh, as you just said, this this makes absolutely no sense what the condition that was um, put forward first of all I did some digging around on some of the Quebec media um, because the original reporting was that this was just something that was a decision of the parole board in fact this was part of his release plan put together by Correctional Service of Canada they're called parole officers but they're CSC officers they actually put this together as part of his release plan and when the parole board, you know, came across it and discovered it, instead of saying, this is ridiculous, and oh, by the way, what you're authorizing this guy to do to go and buy sex, that's now illegal. So you're authorizing him to do something that's illegal. They should have said, no, we are not going to release this person, you know, uh, with these kinds of conditions. And instead, which is, I think, a, re a return to the... Uh, uh, the methodologies, if you will, of the past, they just act like a rubber stamp and do whatever Correctional Service of Canada wants. And we don't have a mechanism of accountability uh, that in any way is uh, you know, going to ensure that we get the answers to uh, how this happened. Well, that's, that is really, really serious. And that is really, really key. Hold on, Scott. We're going to come back with Scott Newark. Just again to remind you that this individual, Eustachio Galez, murdered his girlfriend violently, wanted parole, and they granted him day parole. And then they added 
that he would be permitted to meet women, convicted murderer of his girlfriend, but, quote, only to meet your sexual needs, end quote. I can't even wrap my head around the kind of thinking that would lead to that kind of a release. And now a young woman is dead, and this guy's back in custody facing a second-degree murder charge. And I'm just uh, thinking about the fact that we have uh, women's shelters all over this country where women who are abused and uh, have been violently treated go to find some level of sanctity and sanctuary and, 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 and relief. And then we have the Parole Board of Canada releasing a convicted murderer who murdered his girlfriend, uh, giving him day parole, and then adding the condition that he would be allowed to go and seek women for sex. Because essentially, that's what they did. Or not essentially, that's what they did. Again, um, the conditions permitted him to meet women, quote, but only to meet your sexual needs. The young woman he murdered, or he's accused of having murdered, worked at a, an erotic massage parlor where he'd already, the alleged killer, had already been thrown out of several times because of his violence toward women. I just want to read this before I go back to Scott Newark from the Canadian Press, and this was on globalnews.ca. Two former Parole Board of Canada members say a charge that resulted in the hiring of or a change that resulted in the hiring of inexperienced members may have been a factor in the murder of a 22-year-old woman allegedly killed by the man previously convicted of murder and out on parole. We know that. Dave Blackburn and Jean-Claude Boyer say uh, changes brought in by the federal government in 2017 meant that the vast majority of the existing board members were replaced with people without prior experience. Scott Newark, former Alberta Crown Attorney, visiting professor at Simon Fraser University, how much of a factor is that? Or is that, that, that almost starts, I mean, I get it, but it starts to sound like an unintended excuse. Yeah, uh, I think probably so, uh, because years ago, I remember you and I talked about this as well, um, Correctional Service of Canada and the Parole Board instituted what was called a, quote, concordance program, where they would actually meet so as to develop strategies so that the parole board decisions were in conformity with what the Correctional Service of Canada was recommending. I had a couple of friends who were actually on the parole board at the time who were outraged at this because the presumption is that the parole board is an independent body. It's not supposed to be a rubber stamp because when it acts like a rubber stamp, it runs the risk of being replaced by a rubber stamp. Okay, and the most important thing here, I think, to appreciate is that this was actually, this uh, uh, authorization to have uh, contact with women to meet his sexual needs, that was part of his release plan developed by Correctional Service of Canada officials. Okay, and now, it, yes, it was rubber stamped by the parole board because it raised an eyebrow, but they didn't appear to have the integrity to actually challenge it. But I think it is part of that culture. And you mentioned as well, too, a very, very important fact that this guy, the reason that he was meeting this woman, this young woman in a hotel, was because of his violent behavior towards other women at this, you know, a massage parlor. Okay, well, did his caseworkers know about that? Why wasn't his parole revoked? 
Okay, like there are so many questions. Hey Scott, I'm just I'm and still a, I'm. Example, he was convicted, and by the way, he had a previous conviction before he murdered yeah. his uh, wife. He had a previous conviction for uh, criminally assaulting his former uh, female partner. And S- Scott, I'm uh, still I'm still stuck on the point: is why was this guy released at all? Well, yeah, and you know what? I mean, uh, he was convicted in 2006, no parole for 15 years, but he's released in 2019. Now, I presume that was because. He was denied bail, and under our law, that goes into, uh, you know, it's deducted from your parole and eligibility, but I don't know that as a fact, and I would suggest that maybe we want to take a look at that, because that culture of, you know, get them out, GTO, certainly appears to be uh, front and center in this case. So what happens? They're going to investigate themselves. Yeah, let's talk about that. There's going to be an investigation. Bill Blair assures us of that. The former Toronto chief of police and now the public safety minister for Canada in the Trudeau government. There's going to be an investigation. And what exactly is going to come out of that investigation? I don't have a lot of confidence in anything really substantial coming out of that investigation. There's going to be a lot of... Uh, it should, never should have happened. We're sorry it happened. It'll never happen again. The misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? People should be held accountable here, and you've got to ask the right questions. And, you know, by the way, why is there no entity that has the authority to investigate this, a, a, an actual statutory mandate to investigate this? And why isn't why there? Why not give this to the Federal Victims Ombudsman's Office? You know? Like... Otherwise, what we're going to end up with is just essentially these two bodies investigating themselves and coming up with some kind of a blah, blah, blah report. But you look at the facts of this. This is so serious, not only about the outcomes of this case, but how could this happen in, you know, these institutions that play such a role and we have no independent accountability? It's a very bad sign. And how do we know that similar things, similar release uh, conditions haven't been issued since that particular release was issued. How do we know there aren't more uh, Eustachio Galizas out there who've had the same kind of uh, conditions written into into their release program saying, you know, we understand that you have sexual needs and so you may meet women in order to fulfill your sexual requirements. How do we know there aren't more of these individuals out there? Well, if you remember, one of the... uh Go back in time a little bit. You remember the uh, the fifty fifty quota system, that of course, was designed to get more people out on parole. Yeah. Uh, the recent report by the uh, the uh, union representing the officers, uh, where they're given instructions not to take actions that might result in the uh, somebody who's out on parole and violates the conditions of parole uh, being returned to custody. Would they want to have the number? And by the way. I know most people don't know this, but you know what? It's a crime to breach the conditions of your bail, crime to breach the conditions of your probation, but guess what? It's not a crime to breach the conditions of your parole. What sense does that make? Yeah. It's a very bad situation that needs to be investigated independently so that we can find out exactly what's happened so that we don't have to wait well, for another case where the we go, first, oh, look, they're still doing it. The first thing we have to do, or the first thing that should happen, is that all the current releases should be looked at, need to be looked at. And if there are more of these out there, somebody has to say, recall. Yeah, but, but Roy, the, the, the most important point is, 
You don't want these institutions investigating themselves. No, you don't. But would this have happened if it had been 10, 15 years ago? And given the parameters the parole board had then, I don't know the answer to this, Scott. I I'm asking you. Would so it have happened? Could it have happened? a different culture that there was not that sense of we can do anything we want. Uh, you know that uh, you use that phrase, uh, the arrogance and myopia, where they described, uh, you know, non non-convicted oh, yeah. individuals living yeah. in the community. Yeah, that's what they said. As though, you know, what it was that these people did to get into prison was, they just didn't pay any attention to it whatsoever. On a broadcast on this program or on my previous yeah. program. And the parole board was much, much more and independent. Well, in, let me just uh, finish this so, so we can we can share with people and what happened. You were, you were, hold on, Scott. These kinds of institutional uh, problems have significant public safety uh, ramifications. Yeah, hold that's on a second. It requires a proper investigation and an independent investigation. We need to know the truth, and yeah. we deserve to know the truth. Let me just share what happened on that broadcast, because we d- didn't really tell the story. You were on that show with me, and we were talking to a Correctional Service Canada official, um, uh, somebody who had power and responsibility yeah. and the mandate to speak for CSC. And the, the, the definition of you and me and everybody else who lives a, a law-abiding life w- was this. You are all non-convicted individuals living in the community as though we were all just on the cusp of facing conviction for something. Or that we were all the same. Remember, they also refer to the offenders as clients. Well, yeah, that was in the handbook, Correctional Service Canada handbook. If so as soon as even Paul Bernardo, when Paul Bernardo was admitted to prison, he got a little blue handbook, yeah. and in the introduction, he was he was told that he was actually a client. See, that's of Correctional what happens when Canada. you don't have, in my experience, and you know, this reminds me, it takes me back to the earliest days. Mm. You know, when there was literally bad decisions made by Correctional Service of Canada, and then they tried to cover everything up. Uh, and it impacted people because uh, somebody who should never have been released went out and killed at least two people. So let me ask you this question. Um, let me ask you this question. This is the we fundamental. We need that independence. Yeah. Here's the question. This is the question you need to answer. Former prosecutor, you know this system far better than most. You advised senior policy advisor to a federal public minister, uh, say, p- public safety minister, executive director, Canadian Police Association, and your involvement has been great. Based on what took place, based just on this case. Okay. Is it going to make a difference, Scott? If we don't do anything about it, if we don't learn from it, I think what's going to happen is that this we can do anything we want culture at Correctional Service of Canada will continue. And uh, the same thing about the parole board just being a rubber stamp will continue. And that has dangerous implications for all Canadians. All right. Thank you for joining us, my friend. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.